Entrepreneur on Fire 1022. Every adversity carries with it the seed of an equivalent or greater benefit. Hey, Fire Nation, and welcome to Entrepreneur on Fire, where I chat with amazing entrepreneurs seven days a week. Join me on our upcoming live podcast workshop, where I'll teach you how to create, grow, and monetize your podcast and answer any questions you have. Visit podcastwebinar.com to claim your spot today. Ignite. Wish you had an extra hand when it comes to growing your business? Today you can try ZipRecruiter for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. Again, ZipRecruiter.com. If you're looking for a simple integration to offer your customers every way to pay, check out Braintree. To learn more and get your first 50000 in transactions fee-free, go to BraintreePayments.com slash fire. Boom! Shake the room, Fire Nation. John Lee Doom is here, and I am fired up to bring you our featured guest today, Bill Harris. Bill, are you prepared to ignite? Absolutely. Yes. Keep this fire extinguished (laughs) in case I go up in flames. I love it. Bill is CEO of Centerpoint Research Institute and creator of Holosync Audio Technology, a technological method for getting all the benefit of long-term meditation in a fraction of the time. Known as one of the earliest biohackers, he's a sought-after speaker who has shared the stage with Stephen Covey, the Dalai Lama, Jack Canfield, and many others. So, Bill, take a second, fill in any gaps from that intro, and give a little personal glimpse into your life. You know, I grew up uh, pretty unhappy, uh, angry, uh, anxious, having a lot of uh, a lot of emotional problems. And somebody suggested that I learn to meditate when I was about nineteen. So I, I learned to meditate, and uh, I, uh, being a Type A personality, I became really obsessed with it. And so I was very disciplined at at doing it. And then finally, when I was uh, about 35, 16 years later, uh, I ran into some research that led to creating Holosync. And if if you want, I can tell you a few words about that. In the 1970s, there was a, a certain amount of research that revealed to scientists what the electrical brainwave patterns were that meditators were creating when they were meditating. So that was known in the mid-70s. Then I ran into this other rather obscure article uh, in a scientific journal, because I was just geeky enough to be reading those <laughs> kinds of things, and it was describing, without giving any any actual practical use for it, it was just describing a characteristic of the brain that when the brain was presented with different uh, frequencies of what are called pure sine wave tones delivered uh, discreetly to each ear, like through headphones, so that there were different frequencies going into one ear and then in the other, that they would, there were two parts, two little organelles in the brain in the audio processing center that would essentially create a standing wave in the brain and the brain wave patterns would entrain to it. In other words, it was a way of changing brain wave patterns. So I said, gee, we know the brain wave patterns of meditation 
And this guy claims to have this way that you can change brainwave patterns. Could we change them to those of meditation? So I gathered together some equipment that I had no idea how to work at the time. And down in my basement in kind of uh, mad scientist style, (laughs) I set up this equipment, figured out how to use it, and began recording these little cassette tapes in those days because this was before... Uh, CDs. This was in the mid '80s, um, and I, be- with a few of my friends, we began um, listening to these to see if it would create meditation. And it blew us away. What happened? Um, one of the things that happens when you meditate deeply is that all these different uh, feel-good neurochemicals are created, and you feel kind of re- you know you feel relaxed. And if you really go deep, you feel high when you're done. And this took us so deep that we were stoned, r- literally, wow. when, it, when, it, when it finished. And so we thought, wow, this is really cool. Uh, but it was really, though the, the experience of it was really cool, and not just that you got high, but, but I mean, we were having, we, we were experienced meditators, we were having uh, very deep experiences while we were meditating using this technological method. But the real benefit of it showed up in a little more gradually, and that was that, I know this today, over time, what this does is it changes the brain. It changes um, the neural pathways in the brain. It creates more communication between the left side of the brain and the right side of the brain. It creates more communication between uh, the prefrontal cortex, which is the sort of your executive planner, the source of willpower, it's self-regulation, uh, you know, motivation, confidence, all kinds of things like that. And uh, the limbic system, which is your more reactive uh, craving center, I want it right now, it ha- can't look into the future and see the uh, consequences of what you're doing. So, you know, when people do stupid, their limbic system is in control. When you have a strong enough prefrontal cortex, you can um, oversee that. And even though you might have a certain impulse, you can say that would be a bad idea and you don't do it, whether it's eating donuts or, you know, spouting off to somebody in a way that uh, comes back on you or whatever You'll later so regret, I, yeah. At any, I'm, I'm sort of going a little far afield of what I was saying, which was that this uh, – this creates new connections between the limbic system and the prefrontal cortex, which gives you more of that ability to uh, self-regulate. And that has a lot to do with entrepreneurship um, and uh, you know, being able to set goals, achieve them, look into the future, not do uh, stupid stuff that you're craving to do in the moment, like not work. Uh, you know, instead do play video games or whatever it happens to be. So at any rate, the other really amazing thing that it, that it did was that it, by calming the limbic system, my anxiety went down. I, uh, I stopped being angry. There, a, a lot of these emotionally reactive things are an overactive limbic system and an underactive prefrontal cortex. And so a lot of emotional problems I had kind of faded away. And, you know, I know you, you're wanting to talk more about 
the entrepreneurial side of this than like what what this technology does. But uh, so I don't know how deeply we want to go into that. But essentially, what this does is it creates all the benefits of traditional meditation because it puts the brain in the same state, except it every time you use it, it, you pretty much meditate like somebody who's been meditating for 30 years instead of a beginner. So you don't go through this long, boring uh, learning curve where you're not getting that much results. You immediately go to the part where you get results. And because it's technological, the results are way, way beyond what you get when you do traditional meditation. And I'm not against traditional meditation. I did it for 16 years before I ran into this more high-powered and more more easier way to do it. So anyway, uh, that's how I got started. And then we began telling our friends about it. And over between 1985 and 1989, we probably had about 150 people who were not using this sort of proto-Holosync, which was what the name I gave the technology, my version of, of, of it. And uh, at the, these people were spread across the U.S. and some in Europe. And in 1989, a, a number of them started saying to me, you know, you should create... Uh, a structured way to use this and uh, start a little company and, and sell it. And I had, the, the extent of my ambition at that time was, gee, if I was making about $30,000 a year then, which was more money uh, in 1989 <laughs> than it is now, but still it wasn't that much. And I thought, gee, if I could make another 30000 a year, God, that would double my income. That would be amazing. And so I started this, you know, this little company and didn't know how to run a company, didn't know much about anything. But at a certain point, I decided I wanted to run ads in national magazines. So I found somebody to help me create them and I put them in the magazines and I got an 800 number and I, uh, you know, it was all very sort of low tech and ghetto in a, in a way compared to what people can do now. Um, and I started getting some orders, but it took me a few years to sort of figure out what to do. And one of the things I did is I sought out the best direct response marketing people in the world, people like Gary Halbert and Joe Sugarman and uh, Jay Abraham and uh, other people who are you know considered marketing icons. And I learned uh, from them. And every time I learned something from them, I would implement it and... Uh, you know, I, I made nothing really the first year. I think I had $12,000 in sales. The second year I had uh, $48,000 in sales. You see, most people would have quit saying this isn't doing much. But I was really evangelistic about the technology and how much it changes people. I wasn't really doing it for the money per se. You know, I didn't mind making the money, but... I think the third year I did about two hundred and fifty thousand in sales, and the fourth year it went up to uh, seven hundred thousand or something like that. And the next year I think it passed a million, went to a million two or something. And I began to think, hmm, this is this could really go somewhere. So I really, I started to learn a lot more about business and a lot more about marketing and uh, kind of on my way you could say. So Bill, we're going to step back here for a second. So one thing I really want to just make sure that Fire Nation is grasping here is 
the journey that you've gone through, you know, it's, it's one of stages and of steps. You know, this wasn't something that came overnight. This was a process and a journey. And one thing that's fascinating to me, having done now over a thousand interviews, is how often meditation is a part of the morning routine of my successful guests that are entrepreneurs. So Fire Nation, really keep that in mind as, you know, Bill's going through this portion of, you know, what made him the success that he is today. And and Bill, you're going to keep going on in the story, and I totally understand that, but I'm looking for something specific right now before we move on any further. And what I want you to do is reach back into your entrepreneurial history and pinpoint what you consider the worst entrepreneurial moment that you've thus far experienced. And take us to that moment in time and tell us that specific story. Gee, there have been so many. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, uh, being an entrepreneur, uh, uh, let me just seg- say something about uh, something that you said, and then I'll, I'll, I'll sure. tell the story. When I teach entrepreneurs, which I do from time to time, I have a I have a course called Secrets to Success. It's like thirty nine video core, quite a big course. Wow. the The one thing that I find that separates successful entrepreneurs from unsuccessful entrepreneurs is that the successful ones don't quit; they just keep going. The ones that that hit obstacles and sometimes really big obstacles. Uh, a, a certain amount of them, in fact, probably a large a large percentage, they think, oh, this isn't going to work, and they quit. The ones that aren't letting anything keep them from going forward, and they keep figuring out, how can I solve this? How can I get around this? How can I get through this? And they just keep going. Eventually, they uh, figure out how to be a success. Uh, it sounds a little lame, but I think one of the biggest secrets to success is just to keep going. So anyway, here's my here's my worst entrepreneurial moment. I told you that we had made about twelve thousand. Uh, this is the royal we because there was nobody else. But, <laughs> uh, the sales were about twelve thousand dollars the first year. Pretty pretty pathetic. Uh, at that point, someone who was doing something kind of similar, sued me, or sued the company and me, for a million dollars, claiming that we had, quote-unquote, stolen their technology, and they had some other things that they threw in, too. It was was totally frivolous. It wasn't, wasn't true at all. But I had really hardly any money then. I didn't know anything about the legal system. I was waking up in the middle of the night uh, with kind of panic attack, kind of, you know, racing heart and anxiety and all that kind of stuff. And I, uh, at one point, I remember being served with the lawsuit. Uh, My attorney had told me I was going to be served with it. And so the sheriff came to the door and and, uh, said, are you... Bill Harris and I said yes, and he said somebody doesn't like you, and then he handed over the uh, the lawsuit and made me sign whatever I sign, had to sign or whatever the process was. It was a long like time. You've ago. been served. <clears throat> so I had been reading, I had been reading for about the twentieth time at that point, uh, "Think and Grow Rich" by Napoleon Hill, and you know he talks about every adversity carries with it the seed of an equivalent or greater benefit. So. I uh, I went down into my my office 
which was really a kitchen table <laughs> in a room in my basement. Um, and I started making a list of the benefits of being sued for a million dollars. And I remember the first one I put was, I'm going to learn a lot about the legal system. At the time, I didn't want to learn a lot about the legal system, but I remember that was the first one. And I kept adding things for a couple of weeks, and I ultimately had about 65 uh, benefits on there. And I uh, somehow that piece of paper got misplaced in the passing years. If I had it, I'd have it framed on my wall because every one of those benefits came true. And the other thing that happened was that I, I went to my attorney and I said, how much could this cost just for the legal fees? And he said, well, you may find out why they say don't make a federal case out of it. <laughs> because this, this, was, this was like an intellectual property. They were <sighs> claiming that I'd stolen their intellectual property. So it was a federal, federal lawsuit. And he said, uh, oh, this could be $150,000 in legal fees. Well, I probably had, you know, six or $7,000, some small amount uh, that I'd saved up. So the next thing I did, though, was the reason I'm telling this story, because this was, the, this was a, a huge turning point for me as an entrepreneur. I said to myself, well, first I said, well, this company, $12,000 in sales, is this worth spending $150 million or $150,000 on? No, it's not. But I was, you know, emotionally involved in it, and I really believed in this technology and what it would do, and so I, I thought, I'm not going to let this drive me out of business. So I thought, what would this company look like if it was worth defending with $150,000 of legal fees. And so I said, well, you know, I'd have this headquarters and all these employees, and we would be selling this all over the world, and people would be asking me to speak at uh, uh, different places. And, you know, I, I just kind of described this whole, you know, I'd be giving public events, and I'd be writing books, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that is exactly what happened. That's exactly how it unfolded over, over several years to the point where now we've sold over $150 million worth of Holosync and related products. We have over 2 million people in 100, uh, 193 countries. And as you said, I've shared the stage with Stephen Covey and the Dalai Lama and Jack Canfield and many other people of that uh, caliber. And it would not have happened if I had uh, if I had not stopped and said, "What would this look like if?" and got that picture in my head of uh, kind of where I wanted it to go. So, in a sense, this was the worst entrepreneurial moment for me because I really had a huge meltdown, and I thought, you know, I was going to lose my little house that I had and lose everything, and I was having anxiety attacks and so on and so forth. And it turned out that the guy that was suing me had uh, uh, claimed that in some of his literature that he had this technology patented, uh, but he didn't. And uh, that's called unlawful use of a patent mark. So we countersued him for that and something else, and he folded 
and I think I spent $7,000 on the legal fees and it completely changed my whole outlook. And Which still was about all your savings at the time. Yeah, it was. Um, but a lot less but, than 150 Right. And it also, the biggest thing was that it changed my thinking. Now, um, and, and that change in thinking is really what led to everything, you know, all the success that came later. Because up to that point, I was not thinking of this as a, any kind of a big business. That's kind of when I started seeing it as something bigger. Although even in those days, I wasn't thinking about making tons of money. I was thinking more in terms of spreading this, this uh, technology and what it did to a lot of places. Later, I began to think, geez, this could be a huge moneymaker, which it did turn out to be. There's a lot of things, Fire Nation, I really want you to take away from this. You know, one of the biggest things for me is that Bill didn't act irrationally. You know, he didn't cause a lot of drama right away by just saying, oh, you know, woe is me. This is over. I'm going to quit and, and just run away and, and fold like a fragile flower. Now, a lot of us feel fragile when we first start our entrepreneurial businesses, and a lot of us are, but the reality is taking a step back, assessing the situation, thinking outside of the box, giving yourself some space to think and some time is always going to be a better decision than just acting quickly and irrationally without giving it some thought through. And look what Bill has created and become because of that very step that he took, that step back. And Bill, we're about to enter the lightning round. But before we get there, let's take a minute to thank our sponsors. If you're a mobile app developer, check out Braintree. Braintree is the payment solution used by companies like Uber, Airbnb, Hotel Tonight, Living Social, and Munchery. Braintree has made the payment experiences in these apps seamless and magical. And now you can add a similar experience to your own app. With excellent customer service and simple integration, Braintree gets you ready to receive payments quickly. And Braintree's continuous support plus fast payouts means you'll be prepared as your company grows from your first dollar to your billionth. Braintree is helping solve the problem of mobile card abandonment by offering a best-in-class mobile checkout experience. Check it out for yourself. Braintree gives you a full-stack payment solution and support for all payment types your customers might want. Start accepting PayPal, Apple Pay, Bitcoin, Venmo, cards, and more, all with a single integration across all platforms. Braintree also offers superior fraud protection, customer service, and fast payouts. To learn more and for your first $50,000 in transaction fees free, go to braintreepayments.com Slash fire. Ah, summertime. What could be better? How about some more free time thanks to the systems you put in place in your business? Or maybe more time to work on your business instead of in your business because you started growing your team. Sounds pretty great, right? But where do you start when it comes to hiring your team? How do you ensure you're finding quality candidates? With ZipRecruiter.com. Check this out. With ZipRecruiter, you can post to 100 plus job sites with a single click. Then all you have to do is sit back and watch brand new qualified candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy to use interface from over 4 million resumes. And all this happens within 24 hours. ZipRecruiter has been used by over 400,000 businesses for good reason, and they're ready to help connect you with qualified candidates too. Today, you can try ZipRecruiter for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. One more time to try ZipRecruiter for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. Bill, are you prepared for the lightning rounds? I think so. <laughs> what was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? What was holding me back was that I did not have 
any kind of vision of uh, a lot of success being possible for me. Several times during my career, someone has appeared who caused me in various ways to enlarge my vision of what was possible. And then things would improve to a certain point, and then somebody else would come along. And somebody said to me, is your, bill, is your business 10 times bigger than it was at one point? And I thought back, and I said, well, yeah, I can remember when it was one-tenth the size. Yeah. And they said, so, okay, so you can, you, you've already grown a business to 10 times its size. Couldn't you grow it from 10 times the size it is now, too? And uh, that sort of opened my mind to that possibility, and it did it did become 10 times bigger and probably 10 times bigger again after that too. So I think what was holding me back was n- n- little vision, you know, a, 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 a smaller uh, vision of what was possible. Bill, what's the best advice you've ever received? I think the best advice really is something I said earlier and that is to re- always remember that every adversity carries with it the seed of an equivalent or greater benefit. Because when you're, when you're uh, running a business, believe me, things will go wrong all over the place. And uh, the, the reason, you know, when you see someone who's ultra successful, um, it wasn't because it was easy. It was because it was hard, but they kept going, which is another thing I said earlier, another bit of good advice. And... Uh, if every time something goes long, wrong, you say, okay, what can I learn from this? What is the benefit to me that this has happened to me? And uh, instead of going to, oh, well, this isn't going to work, and maybe I should consider doing something else. So, Bill, if you could just recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why? Think and Grow Rich is, of course, a classic. I would recommend that people read my new book, which is called The New Science of Super Awareness, and they can get a free copy of it if they go to our website. Um, But um, Think and Grow Rich is an amazing book. Uh, Let me see. You're talking about uh, books about entrepreneurship? Yeah, and we just wanted one, so you nailed it, my friend. And, of course, The New Science of Super Awareness, is that your website? Yeah, and if they go to centerpoint.com, centerpoint has an E on the end, uh, right at the top of the homepage, there's just something you can click on and you can, you can get a free copy. Beautiful. So Fire Nation, remember that you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with, and you have been hanging out with Bill and JLD today. So keep up the heat and head over to eofire.com. Just type Bill in the search bar. His show notes page will pop right up with links to everything that he's been chatting about today with resources, the books, everything. And of course, check out what he has going on at centerpoint.com. That's point with an E. His book, The New Science of Super Awareness, right there for free. Go ahead and snag it. You can be off to the races. And Bill, I just want to thank you for sharing your journey with Fire Nation today. For that, we salute you, and we'll catch you on the flip side. My pleasure, John. Thanks for inviting me. Fire Nation, thank you for joining us on Entrepreneur on Fire. Visit eofire.com for links to everything we chatted about today, as well as killer resources, gifts, and so much more. 
join me on our upcoming live podcast workshop where I'll teach you how to create, grow, and monetize your podcast and answer any questions you have. Text PARADISE to 33444 to claim your spot today. That's PARADISE to 33444. Have an inspired day and ignite.